the perfect ideas come to fruition when you have that great duo of visionary and integrator because it's sometimes so hard to be able to come up with an idea and be able to implement it fully. CEOs often feel stuck in the grind of scaling their business and feel like they're missing out on the best parts of life, like family, friends, or travel. On this podcast, CEOs come to take themselves and their companies to the next level. Let's dive into the Millionaire Mind with your host, Dallin Schultz. Hey, welcome back to another Millionaire Mind episode where I have some of the most successful business owners sharing what motivates them to get out of bed every morning and how they elevate themselves and their companies to the next level. And I've got another incredible guest joining us today. We've talked about this particular position quite a bit on the show, and that is the integrator. And a successful business has both the visionary and the integrator, the one that comes up with a lot of the ideas, has the vision, and then the person that helps execute on that. And in startups, these hats are sometimes worn by the same person. But as you continue to scale, it requires you to determine really where your strengths and your weaknesses are so that you can then effectively delegate to continue growing. Now, our guest today is going to share not only some valuable insights to becoming a solid integrator or finding that integrator, but is also going to invite us into her journey as a business owner and how she has gotten to where she is today. So really excited about our conversation today and a special welcome to our guest, Sarah Guidas. Sarah, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much, Dallin. I am thrilled to be here. Um, when I had my original conversation with you chatting about what this conversation was originally going to be. I was so excited being able to talk about that integrator role. It's something that I'm extremely passionate about. I'm the founder of Second in Command Academy, which is solely a space for that number two role, both in helping them grow and own their position, learn how to really excel in their career as an integrator, but also for, like you're saying, those visionaries who know they want that number two by their side, but don't know how to find that person, don't know how to train them. And I can come in and do both of that as well through Second in Command Academy too. And I know like in our industry, it's often referred to as number two, right? Mm -hmm. But in reality, I think both you and I can agree like that your CEO, your COO, your visionary, your integrator, they need to be on the same plane. They need to be on the same page. And yeah. if you don't understand or have that clarity on the strengths or weaknesses of either one, it's hard to really implement that into your business. And I think that's where a lot of business owners struggle, especially starting out. And I think by nature, a lot of us call it pride, if you will, think we can do it all and think that we should do it all. <laughs> and then we learn very, very quickly that is not the case. So I think you've really set yourself up in a unique position. And through your experience, you've been able to get to where you are to provide these opportunities to help other business owners along the way. So definitely excited to hear more about your journey. Thank so you. tell our listener a little bit more about Second in Command. Yeah. So Second in Command Academy has a plethora of resources for integrators to come to if they are someone who's already in a business where they are wearing that right hand hat. So one is an academy where they can log into an actual portal and they have a bank of like assets that they can immediately plug into their company and customize. So think of like spreadsheets they can copy and customize, scripts, PDFs, all of that. And it's things from client churn, temperature tracking, level 10 meeting, scorecards, recruiting, SOPs, building systems, like everything that integrator position needs. And they also have that space to be able to connect with other COOs or people who wear 
different titles for that number too. Sometimes it's a director of ops. Sometimes it's a project manager, depending on the size of the company and team. So there's that, which is a great foundation of where they can learn like lessons on leadership and things that they can tangibly plug into their company. But then from there, I also offer like one-on-one containers where, okay, you're in the academy, but now let me connect with you personally, learn about your pain points, your struggles, your goals, everything that you have the ins and outs of your business. And let me help you get to that next level. And we're working one-on-one directly, which is my favorite part. That's the most exciting part because that's when I get to have the really high-level conversations with integrators, which are some of my favorite professionals to be able to connect with. Then on the flip side of that, for agencies who are looking for that integrator themselves, they want to be able to recruit and hire that. I would have a really great conversation with them, understand what the ins and outs are, what they're looking for, what they need, culture expectations, all of that. And I will build the job description, have it sent to them for approval, make sure we feel great. And then I start tapping into my network and recruiting and making sure that that individual is also going through my trainings. I'm going to interview them myself, send the approved candidates to the CEO. And then if they end up hiring them, it would be a placement. So... Um, that's second in command academy. It's, I want it to be a space and it is a space for the integrator to be able to thrive and also be found and trained too. And not only is it the education, the templates, all these things that are very important and required for that position, but you're also creating a community around it as well, yes. where they can yeah. connect with other integrators, figure out what they're doing, what's working, what's not working. Mm-hmm. And so it's more than just education. It's a community. It's a group that you're building. And from our conversation, that was your initial intent was to create this, which you have. But then people started naturally coming to you saying like, hey, I need an integrator. And you're like, wait a sec, I've got a group of integrators. And so (laughs) there was this whole recruiting aspect. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, was an unintentional consequence in a good way of what you set out to do. Yeah, absolutely. I did not see that side of it coming. I was shocked by the amount of responses that I was getting from CEOs saying, this sounds great. If only I had my right hand or if only I had that integrator. And then it was, okay, there's an actual need here. And people, it just seems like who are in that position, they don't know where to start or they don't know how to find that high level rock star. And it can feel super overwhelming trying to interview and screen people like you don't know where to look of course there's places like indeed there's places like linkedin but actually finding that person who you're going to entrust so much of your business with can be a daunting task (laughs) yeah and when you're able to connect like you and i now that we've connected Mm -hmm. if i need somebody in that role i'm going to feel more comfortable coming to you because we've connected one-on-one we've connected via zoom and rather than just going to Upwork or some recruiting website where you literally have no idea who you're going to get. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, Sarah, let's take it back. How does one get themselves into this position to be able to be this resource for other integrators? Yeah, that's a great question. So, the last eight years of my career, I was an integrator through several different startups and small businesses. At one point, I wore like a marketing director hat, even though I was also doing all ops, all automation, all recruiting, all HR, which is where you wear all those hats. And I was the CEO's right hand. From there, I eventually transitioned into another agency and then another where I was the COO. And that last position where I was the COO at a company called Repurpose House, it was really exciting because I got to start it from the ground up with this fantastic, incredible rock star woman named Shana Weisinger. And we started it in 2018, built it from the two of us to over 60 
full-time team members and put it up for acquisition within four years of starting it. And from there, I stepped in from the COO position to the CEO position. So I had been wearing that integrator hat for the last eight years. Then I got to step into the visionary role and really understand how important that number two role is and how involved they are in the day-to-day decision-making with all the employees and the ripple effects that are happening, how they're the ones to really see um, what's happening on the ground within your company too, as you're wearing that visionary hat. And it really had solidified this mission that I wanted to start with Second in Command Academy and being able to help other integrators in that role. And I got to do that beautifully with my second in command while I was CEO or Purpose House as well. So you've been in a unique position where you've been able to be in both seats. Yes. You've <laughs> been in the CEO position and then had to step into the CEO position. So from that transition and that experience, what were some of the maybe some of the biggest differences or things that you've learned by participating in each one of those roles? Ooh, great question. I think when I was wearing that COO hat, I was very much hands-on in the day-to-day of operations, of leadership, doing tons of team one-on-ones, leading our level 10 meetings, and more in the trenches, I guess you could say, than when I transitioned to the CEO role. And I had to put on that visionary cap and really understand okay, if we're having to pivot into new industries, I need to be the one to steer that, to come up with it, to think of it. If we're having to launch new services, what is that going to look like? And then getting comfortable with delegating it to someone else when I was used to being the full implementer myself. So it was a change in mindset, how I was looking at the company, and then a change hands-on what my day-to-day looked like. And I just had so much more appreciation to and even saw the power of what my integrator was doing. Because when you're in that integrator position, some of it feels natural. You have to be super organized. You have to see the ripple effects within your company. You have to be great at automation and building and and leadership and looking at numbers. And then entrusting someone else to take that over when I've stepped into the CEO role. It was a little scary, nerve wracking at first, but then just seeing it happen and being able to develop that person was such an amazing experience and really exciting that I was able to take so much of that load off my shoulders and put it onto someone else as well. So there's a couple of quotes that came to mind that and I want to expand on a little bit more given this unique situation you were in. And the first one being by James Clear in the book Atomic Habits, he talks about you don't rise to the level of your goals, you fall to the level of your systems. So systems is one thing I want to touch on because as an integrator, you probably love systems and it's part of your everyday life. And then the second one is by Stephen R. Covey in Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He talks about how everything is accomplished through delegation. Everything. It's either a delegation of your time or it's a delegation to someone else. Now, I would imagine that you had quite a bit of experience delegating as a COO, but delegating the COO position, once you stepped Mm -hmm. into the CEO, I can imagine was probably kind of difficult for you. Yeah. So... Through in the spirit of delegation and not rising to the level of your goals, but falling to your level of your systems, Mm -hmm. how do you think being in that COO position really set you up to more effectively delegate when you stepped out? Yeah, I think specifically with systems, what we would preach within our company was document, document, document. And that's very often through like SOPs 
I understand systems and processes can change on a weekly basis sometimes, depending on what industry you're in, whether it's like we were in a social media industry. So there was stuff changing all the time, but trying to make sure you have some type of documented system tied to anything, whether that's client onboarding, even client calls, retention strategies, sales follow-up, marketing, cold prospecting, whatever it is, everything should have a system tied to it. The ideal situation is that if you're sick or you have to go on emergency leave, someone should be able to come in and understand what needs to be done. And they're just taking over that documented system. So that I think set a lot up for success as I was also training my right hand when I stepped into the CEO position. I use a tool called Flowster for all of our SOPs. I was able to assign her a ton of flows, what we call them, (laughs) SOPs for her to go through that were tied to just recurring tasks that we had in our task management system. So she had the tasks that were recurring that she knew she had to get done and she could check the SOPs in Flowster for the exact full breakdown with video trainings, bullet point lists of how things needed to happen and get implemented. So that was great because we created a system around these systems for training her where she would go through these SOPs, she would go through the trainings, then she would meet with me, we would go over any questions, we would do some mock run-throughs together like over Zoom because we were all remote. And then after we're comfortable with that and we've done a few run-throughs, she's off to the races and she's running solo. And from there, I'm able to just check in. We're going to do our weekly one-on-ones and see what questions are coming up just kind of organically. Um, that answer your question, Don? <laughs> yes. Yes, it did. Okay. And the point that you really hit home with that was that you had these systems in place. And when you have effective systems in place as a business owner, mm-hmm. it makes it a lot easier to delegate because whether you have a system written down or not, as business owners, we have systems created in our mind. It's the step-to-step process that we go through. The problem is not everyone on our team knows what that process is. And as a business owner, if you're not getting it down on paper and effectively communicating that when there's a disruption in that system that you have in your head that you didn't put down and you get frustrated about it, that's not on your team. That's on you as a business owner. Absolutely. And I would have the mindset too, like systems should be the things that help you sleep better at night. Because if if you yourself are sick, for instance, let's say you're a CEO who's still managing some of the sales calls or whatever that may be, and you're sick and you're not able to get on a sales call. Do you have those recorded demos that someone has been through? Do they understand how to even log on to the demo, like get into your Zoom account? Do they know the email template that you have to send follow-up messages? Do they know how to store whatever notes they need to in the CRM that you're using, whether it's HubSpot or something else? Like You should be able to know, okay, we have a plan and a system in place for something to be covered if there's an emergency or something that comes up because you have your systems running and documented as well. I'm going to repeat what you said there. Yeah. Systems should be the thing that help you sleep better at night. Mm-hmm. If you have the right systems, listen, as business owners, we want to be involved. We, it, Our business is our baby. It's an extension of us, but we still need that time. We still need that break. Yeah. If you don't have the systems in place that you should have, you might find it a lot more difficult to step away and to get that break that you need. Because with the right systems, you're right. You could sleep better at night. You can have somebody step in if you're sick, if you get injured, if something happens. And really, that's the beauty of building a business. Let me get your thoughts on this, Sarah. I think that some business owners, some entrepreneurs, we come up with an idea, we come up with a business, and we're like, this is the best thing out there. Only I'm the one that can do it this way. Mm -hmm. 
I don't believe it's the case. And so like, what are your thoughts around business ideas? Are you the only one that can truly do it? Is that the way you should be building a business? Like share with us your thoughts around that. Okay. You'll probably know or anticipate what my answer is, but I think the perfect ideas come to fruition when you have that great duo of visionary and integrator, because it's sometimes so hard to be able to come up with an idea and be able to implement it fully. Also, it's like two different brains that can be working on this together. But also when you are the one who's implementing and you're seeing so much of what's happening on the ground, And I always like to talk about like ripple effects because when you're a CEO and you're more removed, you're seeing less of those ripple effects, especially as things are constantly changing within your company. That integrator should be coming to you with great ideas, expanding your original idea of whatever your business is, whether it's a service or anything else. So you should be expecting them to come to the table with those ideas and propositions based on what they're seeing within the team, within the company, within the market, within the industry, on top of what you're doing as well. Also, they should be the one to help you filter out your ideas. So I love the dynamic between visionary and integrator because there's sometimes these really cool moments where you can clash and a visionary might have a really great idea and the integrator is supposed to be the one to say, here's why or why I think that may not work because they're seeing the things that again are happening at the ground level that the visionary may not be seeing anymore. So I hope that kind of addressed how you were wanting to take this question down. Yeah, there was really no direction. I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Mm -hmm. And those moments where the CEO and the COO or the integrator, the visionary, in a sense, clash, I think that's good. And I think that's healthy. And what I've realized in my business, I'm the visionary. I'm the idea guy. I make a lot of decisions based off intuition. And it has gotten me to where I am today. It's been very Mm -hmm. good, but it's also gotten me into some trouble. And Mm -hmm. so I've learned over the years to really rely on my integrator. And we have a mutual respect for each other. And I'm the one that comes up with the ideas. And he's like, all right, Alan, but what about this, this, or this? And like by Mm -hmm. nature, I'm more, everything's great, very optimistic, like just go with it. We're going to figure it out. And he's like, well, okay, hold on. I appreciate that. But what about this, this, and this? And there are moments where I'm like, oh, Shoot. Yeah, I know. I didn't even think about that. So having that good balance between a visionary and an integrator, I think is essential to really help get a company to where it needs to be. Then you work in some system. So everyone is on the same page. That in my mind is really the idea of growing and scaling a business. If you can have a business where you don't necessarily need to be there every single day because of the systems and the people you've hired, that's in my opinion, the ideal goal that you'd want to get to as a business owner. That's the dream. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. I think too, like with that visionary integrator relationship, like that dynamic we're talking about, if you're in the CEO position, you don't want someone who's your right hand, who is just a yes man. You want someone like you're saying, who can say, here are the other parts that you may not have thought about for this idea for X, Y, Z, or here's other things that we need to consider that the visionary may not have top of mind again, because they're not seeing a lot of the ripple effects as much as the COO or whatever that title is. I'm a big fan of traction and EOS and that book really, really breaks down how important it is to be able to find 
that great integrator within your company because like you're saying, they are the one who's going to then make sure the right people under them are on the team and that they're training them in a way that's going to fit the company culture that the visionary is creating. And you're trusting them to build the right people and train the right people. And like you're saying, build all those systems so that it can get elevated to another level as well. So I want to take a little pivot here and really get into like, like what got you into this in the first place. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And then when we do, Sarah, let's get into like what made you decide to start down this path and in these startups, because that's really where these opportunities presented themselves to get you to where you are today. So We'll be back in a few short moments. Hey, Dallin Schultz here with Rev Equity Group. We just launched an exciting new investment opportunity for those looking to diversify their investments across a thousand plus apartment units in some of the hottest markets in the country. If you are fed up with banks and the stock market and want to invest in hard assets to more effectively grow and preserve your wealth, then click on the link in the show notes for more info or go to investwithrev.com and schedule a short 15-minute intro call so we can determine if our investment strategy is aligned with your goals. It's time to take your financial future into your own hands. Take action, schedule a call, and find out how my team can serve you. At Rev, we make apartment investing easy. All right, welcome back to Millionaire Mind. So Sarah, share with our listener, how did you even get started with these startups? Yeah, that's a great question. So immediately after college, my first job, my first career move was in a local marketing agency within my hometown in Phoenix. And um, I was just doing like work for clients, um, like SEO, copywriting, social media management, PR, things like that. And I really got to understand the marketing world, which really fascinated me. From there, I transitioned into another company and was the marketing director there. So I took what I learned from startup one to be able to pivot into a leadership position at startup two, where I was the CEO's right hand, even though I had that marketing director title. Again, that's where I was doing all the recruiting. I was doing HR. I was doing SOPs, automation building on top of being a marketing director, which gave me amazing experience. And then in that, I started to really learn about the roles that existed within agencies. And I was like, wait, operations? Like This is naturally how my brain works. And there's a whole role and department dedicated to this. And as I continued to go through my 20s, my mid-20s, I started to just expand my network. And I met this amazing woman, Shana, who at the time was like a mentor to me. And she was kind of asking me about my career. And I was like, I really want to be in an ops title. I want to help or create a startup from the ground up with everything that I've learned from my previous agencies. And she came to me and asked me to go to dinner one night. And she's like, I have this crazy idea of this company I want to start. Are you in? And I was like, great. And so I became her number two in that vision. And that is how Repurpose House came to be and where I got to have my COO journey. And even though I was crushing it as a COO. Like we were scaling really rapidly. Our team was growing. Within two years, we had hit our first million from our trailing 12 and our churn rate was great. Our retention rate was great within the team, but I still wanted additional resources beyond the education and mentorship I was getting from my CEO because my CEO was incredible, but we had very different brains for good reason. And that's what made us work so well together. So I started to look for resources specifically for those integrators within companies. And I was able to get into EOS, traction and all of that. 
But I noticed that there is this massive gap for number twos to be able to find some sense of community where they could also learn and have resources that was accessible and also didn't have like certain marks like you had to have made certain revenue within your company or had to have been in business like 10 years, certain amount of time. And so that's where I kind of got my wheels turning of, hey, there's something to fill here. There's a gap in the solution to fill. And that's what breathes life into second in command. As a young kid growing up, looking back now, did you ever consider yourself an entrepreneur? Did you ever think you were going to be starting a business on your own? Like, Give us some insight into Sarah's young mind. It's funny because no, it's like, as I was in those startups, it was like, oh, I would never want to be a CEO. It seems like there's so much work that's going on behind the scenes and all the technicalities of the accounting and everything like that. It just felt like so much. And I was like, this is not a role for me. (laughs) But I always felt like growing up as a teen and in college too, that I loved teaching. And at one point I thought, oh, maybe I'm going to be a teacher. But then I got thrust into the marketing world. And I feel like this is a perfect combination of my experience growing companies from the ground up. Also, the desire of being able to teach that led me to being able to be a CEO now in this position. And I appreciate you sharing that (laughs) because I never thought I was going to be a business owner. But looking back, I realized like I was the one that my cousin and I in our basement created a haunted house. And then we would charge neighborhood kids to come in, pay like a dollar to go through this haunted house that was probably the most makeshift haunted house you could ever imagine. Like I remember specifically, we had this old volleyball that we just taped one of those masks from like the Spirit of Halloween store to. And it was tied to a string. And when somebody opened the door, it would just fall down in front of like one of the most like (laughs) abstract, like makeshift things you could do. But now that I'm looking back, I'm realizing like, I think this was in me all along. I just didn't recognize it. And it took different experiences and situations in life, some good, some bad that helped me realize like, no, I am an entrepreneur and this is what comes to me naturally. Well, Sarah, as you started this back to repurpose house, because that's really where you, I think, started getting a taste of entrepreneurship as you were second in command, if you will, to the CEO. What were some of the biggest challenges you experienced in that position while scaling this business that other integrator could be aware of or try to prevent from happening? Yeah, I think especially in the beginning when our MRR was maybe around like that 20K to 30K per month, I was having several growing pains before we were at 80 plus K per month when we were hitting our million and beyond. Um, Just the amount of hats that I had to wear as an integrator, I was doing the sales outreach, I was doing the sales calls, I was doing the client onboarding, I was building everything ops related and hiring and recruiting too, which was a blast. But it was kind of one of those situations like you and I were talking about is where I felt like I couldn't do anything great because there was so much on my plate, but we were just at that point in our business. And so I had to really think about like, how do I segment my mind? How am I going to segment this as to what I am doing? And I created this like system in my mind called the three P's that like an integrator really should focus on and nail and know that 
at any time when you're in that integrator role, there are fires that are going to come up. And if something needs to be filled, you are the one to fill that as the number two. That's just kind of the name of the game. The first one was people. So making sure that I was nailing as much as possible, like people management, that would include like the one-on-ones I'm doing with my team, the one-on-one I'm doing with my CEO, what performance tracking is happening. It could be like hiring, HR, payroll even. I segmented that into like, this is one bucket of my responsibility. The other one was processes. So the SOPs that we're talking about, the systems we're talking about, like building automations with Zapier, everything like that falls into P. Make sure I have that checked. And the next one was people processes and then planning. So planning would be like making sure I'm constantly aware of, and this is where that relationship with the CEO comes in, of the numbers and where we're at. So like planning, where's our current profit margin and where does it need to be by the end of the quarter? That's going to help me plan and prioritize what marketing campaigns I needed to work on, what affiliates to really lean into or things like that. Planning, things and being able to see the ripple effects for anything that needed to be implemented based around numbers and metrics within the company. So making sure I understood all of our churn percentages, really making sure I knew the tech stack like the back of my hand and the money that was going out versus coming in every month because I was the one making financial decisions as well, planning for our future of the company or even what the next quarter was going to look like. So if you're in that integrator position, being able to segment your role into those three P's helped me just stay organized and sane and kind of get regrounded and prioritize, especially when you're in that fire mode too. And each one of those three Ps can be a full-time job in itself. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) But when you're in a startup, Mm -hmm. you don't often have the luxury of being able to bring on more people to delegate that stuff to. Mm -hmm. But here's my thoughts on this. With you wearing all those hats, with you identifying and building out systems for each one of these things, I think as an integrator, it makes it a lot easier to delegate. And we talked about this at the start of the podcast. So yes, it might suck going through all that, but just at times in business, especially in a startup, embrace the suck. Like it's part of a business, but by doing so, it's going to make you a better manager, a better business partner, a better integrator, because you've been through it and you've determined what works, what doesn't work. And so when you do delegate it, it's streamlined, it's systematized, and you know, it's going to be to your standard as long as you have it documented the way that you should. Yeah. And to piggyback off that, I will say a massive value came in when we were able to expand our team. One of the quotes really quickly that I had that I wanted to share for this conversation was, if you want to do a few small things right, do them yourself. If you want to do great things and make a great impact, learn to delegate. And that's by John C. Maxwell. So it's this concept. As we were able to start to go to that next chapter in the business and start recruiting, because I had been in so many different departments that I was able to build and create processes for and learn for, it made recruiting so much easier. I knew the right questions to ask. I knew the right skills to be able to look out for. So when we hired a salesperson to take over those demos and the follow-up, I knew like questions to ask, like, well, how many follow-ups do you do post-call? Or like, what are questions that you ask to try to close at the end of the conversation? And that made me in a better position because I was like, I'm only going to bring on people who are better at this than me because I was just scratching the surface, right? Because we were so in that startup mode and I had my hands in so many pots. So it made it a lot easier and more valuable to be able to find really high quality people to fill those roles when the time was right too. And this is critical. So when you're building a business, it's literally a machine. It's a machine that you're building with a lot of different moving parts going on simultaneously. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. It's your job as a business owner to simplify that as much as possible so that anyone could pretty much perform that task Mm -hmm. or it could be easily be delegated. Um, An example I I like to use around this topic is what Steve Jobs did with Apple and making it user-friendly. The iPhone and any Apple product, for those of us that use them, he made this very complex machine into something that's user-friendly so that my six-year-old special needs boy can navigate an iPad better than I can. Like That's incredible that (laughs) they were able to implement that type of simplicity into something that could be so complex. Now, Again, a business is a machine. So when you have the right integrator, when you're able to implement these systems and these processes, one thing that I share with my team as we start designing and building stuff out, I say, look, design this in a way that we could delegate it to a 10-year-old. And some people might be like, well, that's crazy because you need an adult to be able to do this (laughs) or to think. I'm like, yes, I get that, right? And in some situations, that's the case. But if you're going into this procedure, Mm-hmm. And you can design it in a way that a 10-year-old can follow the steps and execute. Mm-hmm. Then in my mind, that is a good process, a good system yeah. to have. Because in any machine, the more moving parts you have, the more things can go wrong. Yeah. And so if you're not simplifying things down to a 10-year-old level, mm-hmm. you're just increasing the odds of something going wrong. And it doesn't yeah. matter how old or who you have on the other end of that. If you haven't designed it in a way to flow seamlessly, mm-hmm. that's on you. It's kind of like going back to elementary school when you get that assignment of write out the instructions of how to make a PB&J. And it's like, first, you have to go to the pantry, open the pantry. Get It's kind of like that type of concept. Teaching your team to be able to do that and have that trickle-down effect with every single team member who's involved in any process or creating any process because... Think of it as like short-term pain, I guess, for the long-term gain, because a lot of the time it feels overwhelming or like a lot to sit and have to create these processes and to document stuff. But once you do it once, unless things change, you're done. And then you just delegate to your team, make sure this is updated as we update it and go from there. And that's going to save you so much time. This is another example. (laughs) I'm guilty of this every single day. Okay. We all get emails that we just delete. We don't want to be on that email list. We don't care. We're not reading them. We just delete. Because for me, it's a lot easier to just swipe and delete. Mm-hmm. In reality, if I open that email, scroll really quick all the way to the bottom and mm-hmm. hit unsubscribe. Oh my God. Yeah. That would take me 30 seconds or less. Yeah. If I were to do that, how much time am I spending by not doing that and deleting those emails every single time that they come through? I think so much of it too is like the overwhelming feeling of increasing your mental load. Because like you're saying, it's not going to take a lot of time to do that and like clean up your inbox and like filter out emails that are coming to you or have access to you, as opposed to saying, this is spam, I don't want it anymore. But it's that concept of like, oh, this is such a mental load. My inbox is so full. I just want to delete, delete, delete. And it's like, what else is being added on many recurring tasks that you have as an integrator, as a visionary? And it should be like one of the goals is decreasing that mental load so that you have the capacity in the room to be able to think bigger if you're a visionary and come up with those great ideas. Or if you're an integrator, to be able to make sure you're leading the way you want to be leading. You're protecting the culture. You're on top of all the numbers and going from there. 
So what have been some of your strategies to decrease that mental load? Because I think you're absolutely right. Like, I think that's why we do it because it's Mm -hmm. easier in that moment to just swipe and hit delete rather than taking the 30 seconds to open, take my mind off whatever it's at. Mm -hmm. What are some of your strategies to decrease that mental load? Mine really come from my integrator days, if I'm being honest, because there was no option but to implement strategies to try to make my life easier so that I'm functioning like the highest performance that I can for my team and CEO. So just one off the top of my head is I was, I would always implement what I would call my morning queue and then my end of day queue. So I would literally have time blocks in my calendar each morning, let's say from like 8 to 8.20 and then 4.40 to 5 p.m. Just like 20 minutes is perfect. The beginning of the day, I'm taking those 20 minutes to filter my inbox. So that doesn't mean I'm responding to stuff. I'm going through my inbox, things that I know I need to respond to by end of day. I would have a label and filter that was just like tasks in my inbox. And I had a recurring task in my task management system to make sure I'm zeroing my inbox every day. But that way I'm filtering my inbox. So it's at inbox zero by 8.20 a.m. And then I'm doing a lot of the same things at the end of the day. I'm filtering stuff and I have recurring tasks built in. I was using teamwork at the time to make sure everything's going to get addressed. Doesn't mean it has to get addressed then, but it's all organized. And then at the daily queue at the end of the day, I'm looking at my next day. What are things I need to have on my radar? I'm setting alarms, even though I have Google Calendar alerts that come up. I'm setting alarms even further to make sure I'm prepped. If I need to prep for uh, a one-on-one, for a sales call, a partner call, whatever that looks like, that's 40 minutes in my whole day to make me feel sane and organized in the morning right before I log off that helped a ton. Like that was massive for me. And I would teach all of my direct reports to do the same thing too. And I'm going to repeat a quote you shared earlier. Systems should be the thing that help you sleep better at night. Mm-hmm. And to our listener, just hearing what Sarah shared with us, if you're having a hard time sleeping at night, you're stressed, you're worried about what you need to do the next day. Maybe this is a strategy you can implement. And it's mm-hmm. not taking half your day. It's taking a few minutes in the morning mm-hmm. and it's taking a few minutes in the evening. Now, a follow-up question I have for you, Sarah, with that strategy is you categorize these emails. Mm -hmm. Do you block out separate time to actually respond or to execute on those emails? Yeah. So I used to have a recurring task in my teamwork projects every day to manage certain emails that were at a higher priority. Because what I'm doing in my morning queue is I'm filtering them, essentially ones that need to get done by the end of the day. And ones that can wait a little bit longer as well. And so I have a recurring task to make sure I'm targeting the ones that are priority for that day. And so for me, my task was not really movable. (laughs) So it had to get done at all times. So let's say, for instance, that 20 minutes I have blocked at the end of the day for my roundup queue. If I have to spend 10 minutes addressing those emails, at least I'm still doing them by the end of the day. Usually I was able to get them done at another time. But that morning queue is also great to address like what fires am I looking at today? Because at Repurpose House, I was also leading an international team. We had about 40 plus people in the Philippines and we had great leadership over there, but I was also managing our leads over there. So I would wake up in the morning, log on and see chats coming in from my leads in the Philippines. So I'm like, okay, those 20 minutes are also allowing me to look at chat and filter what things I need to prioritize and create new tasks in my day as well. So yeah. Awesome. Well, Sarah, we're already up on time here. I knew that this was going to go by quick because I love, like, even though I'm the visionary in our company, I 
nerd out about systems and processes. And the reason being is because it helps me stay organized. Like I know my natural ability and strength is to come up with ideas to think. My mind's racing 100 miles an hour a day, but partnering with the right people and seeing how much these systems have really mentally freed, like decrease that mental load, like you were saying, has been incredible. So it's something that I've gained a deep appreciation as the visionary, as a CEO for people that do naturally excel in the strength. So before we wrap this up, Sarah, what's up and coming? What's new? Like, What are your goals over the next year or so? Yeah, I want to sign as many people as I can into the academy. I want that to be a booming, blooming space for as many integrators as possible. My goal within the next couple of months is to be able to have a total of 10 um, one-on-one clients that I'm doing in my containers. And then from there, I would love to be able to help agencies find and place their number two. I think that is going to be one of the first positions that I eventually hire and delegate for myself with this new venture at Second in Command is the recruiting and placement portion. So to me, if by this time next year, I have that full-time team member and we're rocking with recruiting and placement to find that great integrator with other agencies, that's a massive win for me on my plate too. Awesome. That's exciting. Well, Sarah, there's four questions I like to ask every guest at the end of every episode. And the first one being, what is one absolute book recommendation for those looking to scale and further develop their millionaire mind? This is a great question. I feel like I sat and thought about this for a while, Don, because there's so many great business books, like depending on what you need, whether it's for leadership, marketing, sales. But something that helped me through a lot of this, in addition to a lot of those business books, was a book that's more based on well-being, spirituality, to make sure I was grounded and showing up as my best self through all of the leadership and transitions and career scaling that was happening. So that book for me is called Quantum Success, The Outstanding Science of Wealth and Happiness, and it's by Sandra Ann Taylor. That was a book that I read and have reread, and it's one of those where you can flip to really any chapter after you've gone through it and get instant value at any time in your week. It doesn't have to be a book that you continuously read front to back over and over again, but it does great stuff about the science behind energy and connections with people and higher self. And it dives in a lot more too, but the science behind it resonated with me and it became this grounding force in just becoming the best version of myself that I could for me, for my team, my loved ones, and all that. Awesome. And I think that's very much in line with what we're trying to convey with this podcast. Yes, we're a business podcast. Yes, we're an entrepreneurship podcast. We're not necessarily talking about all the technical things of business. That stuff will come up. It's much deeper than that. So thank you for sharing. So Sarah, what has been one of your favorite quotes that you've embodied and lived by? Yes. I shared one year earlier, the John C. Maxwell one. I have another one that piggies back off of that, the delegation. That's by Gino Wickman, like fangirling over him always because he is the man behind EOS and Traction. But he said, life is much easier for everyone when you have people around you who genuinely get it, want it, and have the capacity to do it. So yes, there's delegation, but there's also so much more of building the right people in your network, not only your team, but like your partners, people you're having conversations like this with. And I think having that and having that mindset of I'm building my tribe, like that's helped me a ton in business and personal as well. And that GWC model he talks about is phenomenal. And if you're not familiar with it or the book Traction, 
go mm-hmm. back and read it because we've built our foundation on that model. Yeah. And so what he talks about, just to expand a little bit more on that quote, Sarah, for our listener, everybody on your team, they need to get it. They need to understand what you're trying to do. They've got to want mm-hmm. it. They got to have that desire there and they've got to have the capacity to do it. And if they don't have yes to all three of those, they shouldn't be on your team. Somebody might get it and they might want it, but if they don't have the capacity because of stuff going on in their personal life, or maybe they have a second job, mm-hmm. don't bring them on. It's yeah. as simple as that. And it's hard, but having that model there mm-hmm. makes it easier for you as a business owner to know how to hire and how to fire. And it's huge. So Yeah, absolutely. Well, Sarah, if there was one thing you could share with fellow business owners that they're beginning or simply trying to get to that next level, what would it be? I think telling yourself and reminding yourself, giving yourself that accountability check that you're going to make moves within your company based on not only your intuition, but numbers is the best advice that I can give because it's great to be able to make moves from your gut, but I love to tie any of those big decisions to as many numbers as I can as well. It can be little things from like, if you're working on your marketing and sales, you're testing three campaigns, make decisions based on numbers that are performing. That's great. Make hires based on connection that you have with them, but also the numbers. The numbers have to make sense. Like what skills, what performance have they done at previous jobs that they're going to be able to bring that have been proof? Even numbers like salary, that has to match. They're happy and you're happy with that too. Like Tying numbers into any of those decisions while using your gut is the best thing I think you can do. I couldn't agree anymore with that. And <laughs> and by nature, like being able to quantify yes. that intuition, right? And then these things can be very synergistic. I want to say one's more important than the other. Somebody's like, hey, you gotta focus on the numbers. Numbers don't lie. And there's some real estate deals I walked away from where the numbers looked great. But mm. my gut said, no, you probably shouldn't do that. So there you've got to use them as tools. Like use them, oh, be able yeah. to quantify. And that's Again, the beauty of having an integrator mindset and the visionary, because the integrator is going to look more at the numbers naturally. Yeah. And so that's where these partnerships can really help you thrive. Well, Sarah, this has been incredible. How can our listener find out more about you and Second in Command? Yeah, thank you. Everyone can find me at secondincommandacademy.com. There you're going to be able to see the academy resources. You'll see my contact info, my social, my email as well. And that's a great jump off place for us to connect. Awesome. Any social media profiles or anything they can follow you on as well? Yep. LinkedIn and Instagram will be the best two that I have. Excellent. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, look, this has been an incredible conversation with Sarah. And if this is your first time listening, I'm so glad that you tuned in. People have been asking me what my company does. So since I have you here listening to my show, I'll share that with you now. My company partners with busy professionals just like Sarah that are looking to experience significant tax savings, have more to invest, and even reinvest their hard-earned capital. And we work with other successful business owners like you by offering them opportunities to invest alongside us in large apartment deals. At Rev, we found that most successful business owners have a strong desire to give and serve. And we simply provide the vehicle to enable them to grow and preserve their wealth so they can give up their time and financial success more abundantly and freely. If you've been wanting to get involved in apartment investing, but have been too busy to figure out where or how to start, then you can find out how I can serve you by visiting investwithrev.com and schedule a 15-minute discovery call. The mistake a lot of people make is that they think they need millions of dollars to start investing in real estate and apartments. I'm here to tell you that is not the case. It can be overwhelming vending the right investment, 
and the right operator. But at Rev, we make apartment investing easy. Sarah, again, thank you so much for coming on the show and just inviting us into your journey and really helping the integrators out there that are so, so very important to any business venture. Thank you so much, John. I've loved every single minute of this conversation. It's been great. (laughs) Excellent. Thank you. And to our listener, remember, you can't have a million dollar dream with a minimum wage work ethic. So go out there and earn your win for today. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Hope you got value from this episode of The Millionaire Mind, a journey into the mindset of successful business owners. If you want to get results, you've got to take the right steps to get there. Dallin hosts a free weekly educational webinar focused on teaching you how to start investing in apartments so you too can experience the benefits of real estate ownership without doing any of the heavy lifting. There you can gain insights, connect with others like you, and ask Dallin all your burning questions about how you can start owning apartments today. Go to themillionairemind.us. That link is in the show notes.